2: Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right across from me. That's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I, wait, who's the, who's that? That guy right there sitting next to Chris. Look at that. It's Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers for ESPN. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And... Uh, we haven't talked about this in a while, guys. But Nick, I want your your thoughts on this, and Chris, obviously you as well. We've had a, a fairly mild middle of September, and beating the heat has not been necessary. It has been downright pleasant outside. Post, you know, apocalyptic hell'scape.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I haven't been part of the beat the heat conversations. It sounds like you two have been doing a bang up job. I've just been. <laughs> I've been I've been relying strictly on air conditioning, which I guess is cheating, maybe.
2: In... No, that's the best way to beat the heat.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but I also I fear that we are not going to be so lucky next week based on the uh, the forecast. So maybe we shouldn't count our chickens here. That's Nick, I, I want you to know that admitting you have air conditioning is a big time brag on this
2: podcast. Huge flex. Wait, Kyle <laughs> has it too, right? Yeah,
3: yes. I don't. Cursant. So when, it, when when it's hot, <laughs> I anyway. It's How have it's we a not had an subject, HVAC obviously. company
2: sponsor this podcast yet? I'm gonna go. That's, I'm gonna go searching for an HVAC sponsor. <laughs> I think
3: like, that's here's a good how idea.
2: we're here's how we're beating the heat or meeting the heat when it's cold. We can say we're meeting the heat. Okay. Um, sure. I'm sponsored by Hey, if you work for an HVAC company, hit us up. So what we're gonna do today is we're just gonna kind of have a general conversation about the 49ers as they get ready to face the Giants at MetLife Stadium in New York on Sunday um got a couple questions here we're just gonna kind of kick it around uh the three of us talk relatively often so uh we thought we'd just kind of bring that over to the pod as we uh get ready to talk about the 49ers facing the new york giants a new york giants team that won't have sterling Shepard. who's out with a toe injury saquon barkley uh tore his acl in the uh kind of week two nfl injury massacre he was one of the one of the casualties of that so uh Let's let's start on, on the 49ers side of this. Uh, injuries have been the story with them really since camp. Guys sitting out practices or multiple practices. And now entering week three, it is the single biggest question mark. It was something they dealt with last year. And they overcame it and went to the Super Bowl. Is this something they can recover from this year, given who is out, how long guys are out, Um, is this something they can overcome this time? I think,
1: I think when you look at it, there's, uh, you know, a couple of different ways on, on how you define getting past it, how they can move past it. And if, if you're saying, are they still a team that can win the Super Bowl? I think that's a lot more questionable without Nick Bosa. And, and to be very clear here, all these injuries, the one thing people don't seem to really be wrapping their head around is that bosa is the one guy who they probably couldn't lose that they did lose for the season out of all this now a lot of these other guys are going to be back or at least should be back and we don't know about you know obviously solomon thomas is also out but i'm talking about in terms of actual big time difference making players nick bosa is the only one in that group so i think they can recover in the sense hey they should be able to get through the next three games let's say three and and0, ideally but if they go two and one and they're going three and two going into that Rams game. They're not in a terrible position to at least make a run at the postseason. But in terms of actually going and winning the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be a lot tougher because I think if you look at it and you say Nick Bosa is probably one of the, what, three or four players that this team couldn't afford to lose. Uh, anytime you lose one of those guys, it's always tough to overcome.
3: Yeah, for me, the, there are a couple things that, that make this year much, much different. The fact that um, the rest of the NFC West right now is basically undefeated, right? Uh, Loaded. so they are
2: undefeated,
3: they are undefeated. So that that's going to be an issue. The 49ers are already down in the standings, which isn't, isn't a huge deal this early in the season. There's lots of time left, obviously, but with the way Seattle's looking, they might be one of the best three teams in the NFC, if not all football, right? And, and you could probably argue the same about the Rams. And it looks like the Cardinals are going to be a team that could win nine or 10 games at least potentially based on, you know, what what they've uh done the first two weeks of the season. So, I think that is a factor that that makes this year way different because the Rams were down last year, obviously Arizona wasn't nearly as good last year. So that's problematic. The other big the other big part of it too we were talking a little bit about this before we came on was was D Ford and that you know, if if you do lose Nick Bosa if you get a healthy season out of D Ford and and a season like he had with Kansas City in 2018 where he had double digit sacks and helped force a ton of turnovers and with um you know pressures turning those into interceptions and forced fumbles and things like that then you could probably get by without Nick Bosa but the fact that D Ford is now out with a back injury um to me is a massive red flag and it could be a long time until we see him the 49ers haven't said anything about that yet aside from the fact that Shanahan basically said there's no – Kyle Shanahan basically said there's no timetable for Ford this week um, and that he's concerned about it because it is a back injury. And based on the recent history the team has had with back injuries since Shanahan came aboard, it's not promising, right? It's Trent Taylor who basically had his entire 2018 season ruined by the back surgery he had in the May before the year. Um, Garrett Selleck basically had to retire because of ongoing back issues. And then there's Jalen Hurd last year who was sort of week to week for about a month after initially suffering the back injury during a practice, I believe in, in Denver, it was one of those joint training camp practices. Um, he didn't go on the shelf. He was actually on the active roster for the first few weeks of the season before he got put on injured reserve. And and I don't know that that's necessarily where things are going with D Ford right now, but the fact that there's no timetable and we really haven't heard anything about it other than, um, you know, the quote unquote medicine he's, he's been trying. Um, I, I feel like that, that is a pretty alarming issue too. And I think Nick made, made the right point. Like they were able to sustain their high level of play last year while dealing with injuries, but they didn't lose Jimmy Garoppolo who they're likely to be out with on Sun, be out, not have on Sunday, easy for me to speak. Um, and they didn't lose Nick Bosa who played in every single game. Right. And so you know, I, I think it's very different. You can you can scheme an offense around not having your tackles and maybe not having your fullback, um, but if you lose, I mean, you already lost Richard Sherman for more time this year than than you did last year. You only missed one game last year, right? So these are issues that that are going to make it really difficult. That's, but I still think if everybody does come back, um, let's say by the end of October, like all these guys were talking about then I think there's a real chance the 49ers can be one of those teams that, you know, I don't, they it, winning the NFC West is going to be really tough. I, right. It's probably not going to happen. I agree. But with the expanded playoff field, you could be in the mix uh, as a wildcard team if you win nine games. And I think that's certainly on the table.
2: Yeah, especially the, uh, around week seven when they get Weston Richbird back and they get Ronald Blair back. And presumably all these guys dealing with injuries now will be healthier by then. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. The thing with Bosa for me is their defense in 2018 was uh, atrocious. And he was the, it, Ford as well, they made the trade for Ford, but Bosa was the most consistently dominant piece, maybe aside from DeForest Buckner, but he was the change between 2018 and 2019. They brought back the entire same secondary that had gotten diced up the year before. And granted, they were a little healthier last year, but Bosa was the, the the biggest change. And to lose him on top of Chris, as you just laid out, on top of D Ford for uh, an unknown amount of time, that kind of changes their entire defense because they brought in this secondary thinking, you know, they're going to have this really dominant pass rush with these two game-wrecking type players rushing off the edge, and now they have neither of them.
3: And they don't have DeForest Buckner either.
2: And and Brian, they traded DeForest Buckner and Javon Kinlaw has been fine, but he's not DeForest Buckner, at least not yet.
1: So and I, no, I'm, I'm, s- I'm sorry. I, I think, I think that's the, the bigger point is kind of the trickle down effect of taking away all of those pieces, because right. if you just look at it in a vacuum and say, okay, you ha- you don't have D Ford and you don't know when he's going to be back. Well, you really didn't have D Ford last year either. I mean, even when he was healthy, he was playing like 19 snaps a game or something like that. And. He was fine. He was, he was a difference maker when he was available and when he was actually healthy, particularly at the beginning of the year. But there, there was so little of that time. But the difference is is that you know if you take away Nick Bosa and you take away DeForest Buckner, who was the guy who was double teamed on your defensive line more than anybody last year, and then you take away Nick Bosa, who was the guy who was probably going to get double teamed the most of anybody this year, who are the guys that can benefit from that? Who are the guys that can take advantage of those one-on-one matchups? And now when you get that trickle-down effect, you don't have guys like that in, in abundance. And, you know, even when Ronald Blair comes back, I think, you know, a healthy Ronald Blair could instantly be their best edge rusher if D Ford is still out. Like, that's a realistic scenario, but you still need guys to be able to be that, that kind of fulcrum who's taking away all that attention and creating matchups for other people. And I'm not sure who that's going to be now moving forward other than potentially Eric Armstead. And now who's, who are the guys that are going to be able to take advantage of that? So I I was trying to ask Robert
3: Salas something uh, along these lines today, and and I know what the messaging can be from coaches, right? So I I wanted to ask, essentially, are you going to have to change up the way you defend, and are you going to have to manufacture pressure in ways that might um, compromise, you know, typically what you like to do defensively, schematically. The 49ers like to avoid blitzing, win with four, drop into zone coverage most of the time um and then uh and then that that works for them that's sort of their formula but now without having elite guys who can win their matchups like nick was saying are they going to have to change the style of defense that they play and robert Sala was basically like yeah we're not going to change anything we have depth blah blah blah." and i i think that's you know i think it's fair for him to say that because he doesn't want to put the messaging out there when he's trying to encourage his backups to play at a high level Um, But I am expecting the 49ers to change the style of football that they play now, that their defensive line isn't what it was last year. So, Nick, I do want to ask you, how do you think the 49ers look now having to change up their identity a little bit um, by not having that defensive line that really sort of defined uh, who they were as a team last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what we were just getting at is the idea that now you don't have guys who are are t- taking advantage of these matchups, and the and the big thing is is one of the things that was kind of the hallmark of their defensive line, other than just the fact that you know they had a billion first round picks on there, and that you know they had all these guys who are dominant individually. Is they could come at you in waves, and you know they could they could bring in the Ronnie Blair's of the world, and Ronnie Blair is a more effective player when he comes in in that type of situation where he's a backup. So now you don't have that. Now you have to find different ways to take advantage of, of certain matchups and opportunities. And I think you saw it even a little bit in that jets game where they were dialing up blitzes a little bit more than potentially they had uh, in recent years. And, and, and that they had at least through the first week of this season. And and I think you're going to have to see Robert Sala probably do that a little bit more often. Now, a lot of that's going to be matchup dependent on what type of quarterbacks they're facing. You know, are they, are they getting more of those, uh, you know, mobile guys like Kyler Murray? We know there are going to be some more matchups like that throughout this year, but uh, I, I think there's going to have to be some changes and some fixes in terms of the way they're approaching things defensively, just based on on every week and what they have personnel-wise. They don't have the same amount of guys who are just individually dominant, and so it has to be more of a team effort. And that doesn't not necessarily mean blitzes either. It could be more stunts and and games up front, things like that, where they think they can create some some better matchups for the guys that they do have. Whether that means Armstead even even playing end in base downs getting opportunities to rush from the inside off of a stunt or something like that. I just think you're gonna see more of that kind of thing, those types of wrinkles moving forward.
2: Do you think we'll notice anything discernibly different this
1: week? I would think so. And and just because I think Daniel Jones, you know, he's not uh he's not really a scrambling type. He's he's kind of a uh you know, you don't want to call him a statue. He's he's shown some ability to move around a little bit, but certainly not to the level of a guy like Kyler Murray and so yeah, I know. I know you don't have much time necessarily to change things on the fly, but I think Robert Sala is is smart enough and has has put enough in that he can at least throw some of those wrinkles in. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to dial up a, a you know a blitz fifty percent of the time like the the D coordinator the Niners played last week, Greg Williams. But I do think that there's going to be more opportunities for him to to throw in some of those maybe smaller wrinkles that don't show up in terms of blitzes like like stunts and games up front.
3: Let's take a quick break, and we'll we'll uh, move the discussion to the offense afterwards. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to make you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I love a nice cold Pepsi, particularly when I'm covering games from home. It's tough to beat, particularly when you're trying to beat the heat, like Kyle and I always are. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, and become a member. Of the league of football watchers these passionate fans are the real generation talent that pepsi fuels because pepsi isn't made for those who play the game it's made for those who watch it like us pepsi's made for football watching even though sports had a break your business did not you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people Fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, you only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make sure your search is that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire for their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching Bet BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. All right. So we, we mentioned how the 49ers might make some changes on defense, but Kyle and I have, we, we both talked about this um, on on recent episodes of the pod, how coming into this year, it even seemed like the 49ers were going to have to just be significantly better on offense to make up for whatever regression they're going to feel on defense. And now that all these injuries hit, the regression came in a way that um, that nobody really expected, right? So it's interesting. It's a really interesting time of the season now because the 49ers are entering a game with potentially out the, without their starting quarterback and without two of their top running backs, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, who could both miss multiple games um with knee issues. And and we'll talk about the turf I guess a little bit later, but um in terms of the 49ers offense and and what they need from it. Nick, what, what are you expecting over these next few games? Um, in terms of the offense's production and how they try to counteract um, all the injuries to that defensive line.
1: Well, I guess, I guess the most ironic thing about all this is that the Niners are so injured offensively right now that they're going to lean on Jarek McKinnon and Jordan Reed to be <laughs> the guys to kind of pick up the, the pieces. And, I mean, it sounds like a joke, but it's the truth. I mean, the, the, the two guys who have missed a combined three seasons uh, over the last couple of years – uh, between them, uh, all those man games that they lost, they're gonna they're gonna have to find a way to pick up the pieces using those guys, and they're gonna have to rely on them. And I know I know you asked have asked a, a couple questions about it this week, Chris, and it's certainly something that I'm keeping my eye on. Is how are the Niners managing those guys? Now, are they all of a sudden gonna ask Jarek McKinnon and Jordan Reed to play a bunch of snaps? Those are those are things that they have to kind of figure out, and particularly as it relates to the to the playing surface in New York, which we already know how they feel about that. So. Um, I think that's you're going to see a lot of both of those guys, uh, and, and they're going to have to figure out ways. You know, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is a guy who can contribute. The good news for the Niners is that they're still kind of in this "quote unquote" soft part of the schedule, where you know I, I look at a team like the Giants, for example, and and you go up and down the rosters, and even without the guys that the Niners are going to be without this week, and you could argue that roughly 6 of their 10 best players are not going to be available this week against the Giants depending on what happens with Kittle uh but they're still going to have the four or five best players on the field at a given time so i think they're i think they're still in a in a pretty favorable position uh and i think the offense should be the actually the unit that gets better here and and ramps up as maybe the defense takes that regression that you're talking about takes that step back if this offense can reach that point where it's again in that you know 29 30 points a game range uh they're going to be fine and it may not be like that for the next couple weeks but i think they're going to start getting back towards that level uh as we get towards the middle of the season and they get healthy again
2: yeah there's a peak version of this offense that i don't think we see just with injuries and such that i don't think we probably see until like week eight or, or that range yeah Um i agree I, I, I think the think... rams
3: game is really like that that's going to be when kyle shanahan starts going back into his bag <laughs> kind of yeah. like he did in the second half of last season
2: yeah because like i just i i think that's all spot on what nick said like they're gonna have to get to that 30 points maybe more range like we saw them we saw them kind of reach back and and let it rip against the saints we saw them do it against the cardinals a couple times and i think that's just gonna have to become a little bit more consistent um, I know that starts with the quarterback, but it also starts with, you know, having weapons healthy, which is why, you know, George Kittle's health is obviously such a big concern. If Jordan Reed can stay healthy, what does those two on the field look like? Uh, Debo Samuel's health is obviously huge. So I just, as, as bad as the Nick Bosa injury is, and we just kind of spent all that time talking about it, I think how they overcome it is on the offensive side, because I do think they have the weapons to to do so. Uh, I want to ask you guys real quick about Kittle. Are you playing him this week?
1: I am not. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, and, and and frankly,
2: I, I I was just going to agree with you guys, no matter what you said. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, I mean. Frankly, I, I I understand the argument of saying, okay, if a guy is healthy, you know, who are we to say that he shouldn't play? But the the problem I would have is that you make a big deal about this playing surface being so dangerous, and especially when it comes to to lower extremities and you know, feet and ankles and knees and and those kinds of things. And then you ask a guy who's dealing with a knee issue, and by all accounts, is coming back sooner from said knee issue than most okay. players would, and you're asking him to go play on that service. It to me, it's I don't know that the juice is worth the squeeze. Like I think that this is a game they can win without George Kittle. Now, certainly having him out there would be great. And if you look at Nick Mullen's production with George Kittle in 2018. There's no doubt that Nick Mullins would would greatly prefer to have George Kittle on the field. But I, I think if you're just looking at it realistically and, and what the big picture long haul is, um, I, I think it would be a little bit of a crazy decision, honestly, to, to play George Kittle this week. Um, just knowing that this is a game that you can win without him and knowing what kind of risk that they believe. not, I'm not saying that the, the risk they believe they would be putting him in based on what they think about the playing surface.
3: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And, and I think the reason why this Kittle thing came up today um, is because Kittle just kind of dropped in on the media during the, the Zoom availability session. Is that like going is,
2: to a comedy club and Dave Chappelle drops in?
3: Uh, No, not quite. Okay. Kittle. It's Kittle like if Carrot Top so, dropped but...
1: in. It'd be more like so.
2: <laughs> you said who? Carrot Top. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, oh, that's brutal.
1: That's
3: because Kittle's duck in the pod. Nick is uh Nick is with the. Oh, bit.
2: nice going with the bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, heck yeah! It's like, like Jeff Dunham <laughs> dropping
3: in. No, but so typically when Kittle's been hurt in the past, he avoids the media like the plague. Right? He just doesn't want to speak to us because he knows he's going to have to answer the question about his availability. So when he dropped into Zoom today, um. It really made it seem like, oh, Kittle's Kittle might play or at least is healthy enough to play. And then he plays it off, um, you know, like, oh, I just missed the media. I, I missed talking to you guys, blah, blah, blah. But it was interesting because it makes you think that like, man, maybe they're actually thinking about this. Um, and Kittle didn't, like I said, Kittle didn't confirm whether or not he was playing, but it was it was certainly notable. But yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with Nick. I don't think... Um, there's any reason to play him. I think you, you, at this point you treat September like the preseason, um, and you rest your stars, let Jimmy Garoppolo sit, let George Kittle sit, um, and then really try to get healthy for, for October because you need to get rolling in October. And the last thing you need is to put George Kittle in harm's way in a game where you could probably win it without him. And then you're looking at him being out, you know, two or three more weeks because he aggravates a knee injury.
2: Well, do you guys think then, just kind of spinning that forward and looking ahead, the Niners' next three opponents, including the Giants, are a combined one and six. The Dolphins got their first win tonight, uh, but between the Giants and Dolphins, they face the Eagles, who are 0-2 and and look awful uh, through the first two weeks. Might we see a scenario where... Uh, they play it a, even a little more conservatively with injuries, not just to Kittle, but, you know, Mostert and Coleman are both dealing with knee injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo is dealing with a high ankle sprain where if it goes well Sunday against the giants, do they maybe say, okay, we can survive one more week?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think when you look at it, the, the, the kind of the factor here that is really playing into that more than anything is, is, is the turf. and, people can say what they want, but the Niners were pretty open before they played on that turf that they weren't super keen about it. And, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan was, was asked about Debo Samuel when Debo Samuel was placed on, on injured reserve. And, and I think somebody asked him about D Ford, even going into last week, you know, what is, is the turf something that you have to factor in? And he said, yes. Now he also clarified that if a guy was a hundred percent, of course, they're not going to hold him back, but if it could be a tiebreaker of sorts, then maybe they were going to err on the side of caution. So I think when you remove that factor from the equation, it's a little bit of a different conversation. And I think if the Niners, for example, were playing at home this week and they're playing on the natural grass, then George Kittle playing is probably a a more likely scenario and one that wouldn't look as outrageous uh, as potentially putting him into that situation at MetLife Stadium. So I, I, I get that aspect. The other part of it, and what you mentioned there, Kyle, is, is, yeah, these are winnable games, but I also think that they're games that they kind of have to win. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I mentioned I mentioned earlier. You know, if they if they come out of that stretch at three and two, they they at least still have a chance. But really, if you're looking at it and you want to compete for the division, you need to be four and one. Absolutely, uh, coming yeah. coming through that stretch. And so I think there's you you kind of weigh that like, can we win these games if if our guys are not healthy or if we're if we're rushing them back a little bit. Yeah, you probably can, but does it increase your ability to do that Uh, by having those guys back? Then certainly you want to, you want to go ahead and give them that opportunity. Now, I'm not saying you push them back too soon, but if you're, if you're in a position where this guy would play under normal circumstances, um, play through an injury or or be back from the injury, then I think you're going to go ahead and do that knowing that you need these wins because your margin for error is so much slimmer now than it was before what happened last week at MetLife Stadium. Right. So. I, I want to shift
3: this to a conversation that inevitably is, is going to happen at some point. Oh, it's going to um, be
2: the worst thing.
3: Yeah. So Sorry. I, I want to bounce this off Nick because he works for a national platform. Um, if the 49ers win Sunday and Nick Mullins completes 72% of his passes uh, averages, something like nine or 10 yards per attempt and throws two interceptions or or two touchdowns, no interceptions, and the 49ers win comfortably. What is the conversation going to be like about the quarterback position for the 49ers going into the next game? And where, where are the smart people going to be on, on the conversation? Because a quarterback controversy is often just something that's sort of talk radio fodder, but there, there's there's a clear discrepancy between that fodder and and you know what writers think uh, and, and what we think the team is thinking about this so Nick I want to ask you if Nick Mullins plays well. How are we framing this conversation about the 49ers quarterback situation the following week? Well,
1: if you're if you're asking me where the smart people are going to be on it, you're asking the wrong person because that would assume <laughs> that I'm a smart person and I, w- and I would be able to relate to them. So right, I'm not, I'm right, not right, really... I'm not really you
2: are smart. I, <laughs> I'm you not, are strong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I think, look, the, the thing I think we learned about Nick Mullins in 2018 when he started is that Nick Mullins is a pretty good backup quarterback and and a backup quarterback to me is someone who is expected to come in and maybe start a game or two and still give you a, a chance to win a game and potentially win uh, two games, whatever it might be. But when he, when he has to play eight games, it's, it's going to be probably a little bit more exposed. And I think that's what most backup quarterbacks are. You know, if they're better than that, they're probably a starter. And so uh, and, and not in every case, but in in, in many cases. And so, I, I don't think if Nick Mullins goes out and has a, a good game against the Giants, that's going to necessarily change the opinion of of the way the quarterback situation should be viewed. I think it, this is very clearly Jimmy Garoppolo's job. Now, I know you're asking me what the viewpoint's going to be, the perception out externally, not so much from the Niners because we know where the Niners stand. Jimmy Garoppolo, it's his job, and it'll be there for him no matter what Nick Mullins does this week. But I, I just think that. Uh, one good game against the Giants isn't necessarily going to completely change the way people think. Those who already hold whatever it is they hold against Jimmy Garoppolo are probably going to continue to do that. Um, Maybe it gives them a little bit more ammo if if Nick Mullins goes and plays well. But I don't know how you could make that argument after Jimmy Garoppolo played the way he played on a high ankle sprain against the Jets because those two things are basically about the same. So uh, I don't know that it gives Nick Mullins any sort of a a real leg up in, in that type of a conversation. Kyle, how, how much are you looking forward
3: to this possibility next week on your talk radio show?
2: I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I produce a radio show at 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, <laughs> and it, I it's already there. Like it, People already, after week one, were ready to cut ties with Jimmy Garoppolo, put in Nick Mullins, he's better because he knows the offense better, even though nobody knows what that means <laughs> like nobody like you talk to him, you've quizzed them it's just like if Nick Mullins was better than Jimmy Garoppolo, he would already be starting like yeah. that's just that the the like the 49ers could have gotten out from under Jimmy Garoppolo's contract this year and started Nick Mullins and had all this cap space to work with, but they didn't do that because he's not better. He's just not. He lit up a terrible Raiders team that had quit at that point <laughs> of the season. They finished 4-12 and that year. They were the worst defense. Second, check that, second worst defense in the league last year, but they finished last in a whole bunch of categories. Like, that was a terrible team that he diced up. So, on a short stop, week. Stop, on a short week. So, you can't hold on to that Raiders game and say, this is peak Nick Mullins. Like, yeah, against a team that bad. I don't think the Giants defense is as bad as that Raiders defense. The Giants aren't good, but their defense is better than that Raiders defense. And we saw Nick Mullins struggle with a lot of things. He was racking up numbers because he had to, A, because their defense wasn't very good, but B, because he, wa- he wasn't that good. Like they, they Their offense was not as strong without Mullins. The one defense – go back and watch the game against Tampa Bay that year. The <laughs> one defense that was worse than the Raiders was Tampa Bay's, and the 49ers couldn't move the ball in that game. Yeah. It's just – it's inevitably, if Nick Mullins goes and lights it up, it will inevitably be a conversation uh, it, within the fan base and on the internet and on blogs and on sports talk radio. It's never going to be a conversation with the team because he's not a better player.
3: Well, what, what's what's interesting about it, too, and I, I agree with everything you just said. What's interesting about it, too, is Nick. there's a very real scenario where they say, all right, Nick Mullins plays well enough for us to win and we can just stick with nick mullins and keep garoppolo on the shelf and allow him to get more healthy right like because we know a high ankle sprain on your on your right ankle the ankle you push off from can be really brutal for a quarterback if he's not Mm -hmm. healthy so then if if nick mullins lights it up against the eagles on national tv then what and and i'm not saying that i'm not trying to manufacture a quarterback controversy i'm just saying it's the the this scenario exists where nick mullins comes in and plays well and then we have to ask kyle shanahan about his thinking at quarterback um and it's going to be interesting no matter what because i've i've covered this team enough and seen enough turnover at the cornerback quarterback position to to know that like it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for a Niners quarterback at some point to lo- to lose a starting job. And I'm not saying I'm expecting that to happen because I do think Garoppolo is a much better player than Nick Mullins, particularly within the confines of Kyle Shanahan's offense and when everything is, uh, you know, all the weapons are there, everything's clicking like we saw in the second half of last season. So I did just want to bring that up because I, I think it's a, it's a scenario that I'm looking for out of Sunday's game because I do think the 49ers are going to play well. And just because Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play well in that season opener, it gave people a lot of ammo to to certainly ask the question. And I think it's going to be asked at some point.
2: Can I make a prediction? Yeah. I believe that Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk, assuming <laughs> your scenario goes down, like let's just say Mullins plays well, the Niners beat the Giants soundly, and the 49ers say, we're going to give Jimmy Garoppolo one more week to To heal his ankle, because you know we're comfortable with Nick Mullins starting. I predict an article headlined "49ers comfortable with Mullins starting over Garoppolo," um, and turning that uh, we're going to let the starting quarterback heal for one more week into the 49ers like Nick Mullins more than Jimmy Garoppolo.
3: And then some of the other national writers who are very familiar with the 49ers will discuss how much kyle shanahan likes nick mullins
2: yes right a thousand percent he wore a tie to their meeting or whatever <laughs> and yeah i just i'm not looking forward to it yeah because i, I it's going to happen inevitably if he plays well
1: so and and that's the thing though that's funny right is the niners actually want that to happen i mean they want they want yeah. nick mullins <laughs> to play as well as he possibly can and, and 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 get them a victory and that's the the big thing here too guys that you know, maybe we kind of brushed past it a little bit when we were having the injury conversation is that, you know, it's so easy to sit here and look at this whole picture and say, okay, if they can just kind of keep their head above water for the next three games, by the time you get to that Rams game, you should have Richard Sherman and George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel, and maybe D4, you know, all those guys back. The big thing for them is getting out of this game without more injuries. You know, I I think that's, that's, it's almost something that, we that, you know, I'm not saying it's more important than the win. The win is, is, the, is the thing, but a cl- a maybe 1B right there on the medal stand is trying to make it through this game without having any more serious injuries or, or really any kind of injuries so that uh, when they do get to that point where the schedule intensifies a little bit, they have those guys available to them. And, that, you know, that's something we can't predict, but it's certainly something just based off the way things are going for them that you have to be cognizant of uh, moving forward.
3: Yeah. So the turf is interesting and let, let's, let let's wrap on that because I think there's a discrepancy between, um, whether or not this is a real story and whether or not this has been sort of exasperated by, by the powers that be. Um, from my perspective, I, I think it's a very real thing in terms of the 49ers concern about the turf. Um, there was, I mean, there was a committee With like four representing four or five different groups from the NFLPA to the league to the Jets and the Giants and the MetLife Stadium management um, and the the field turf contractor who put the grass in, like they all met and reviewed the field on Wednesday because they because it was determined that it was a big enough issue for them to at least look at it, right? And so, you know, you have people like Trent Williams say it's going to be hard not to think about. You have Eric Armstead tweeting that the turf is trash. And, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan basically saying he's worried that his team is going to have to be out there again on that field. So to me, this is a very real story. And, and I think that's sort of why, why I would be so apprehensive about playing George Kittle, right? Like Nick, I, I assume you feel the same way about this.
0: Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and I mean, uh, the idea that it's just some sort of like media creation uh, that, that this is a story is, is asinine. I mean, it's, the Niners are the ones who have very openly and repeatedly doubled down, tripled down, whatever you want to say, that this is something that concerns them. When Eric Armstead, one of their highest paid players, one of their best players, says there's, quote, unquote, a lot of anxiety about playing on that field, that's an issue. That's a, And, and you can say what you want about whether those injuries had anything to do with the field or not. And look, let's just be very clear here. Every injury that happens is multifactorial. There's Always right, right. multiple things that play into an injury taking place. So you can't just say it's just the field, but there are there is research. Uh, I have a story coming out on this that that talks about the American Sports Journal of uh, uh, Medicine. Uh, I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. They they they, <laughs> they they published a study last year that that shows you over a five-year span that the the injury risk on field turf very much exactly like what they play on at MetLife Stadium has more injury risk for lower extremities than playing on a natural surface. It's been and that's been shown. So there is there is validity to that. There's other factors here too. Footwear is a factor. you know the league actually commissions studies and they test out all these cleats and they do it on field turf and they do it on natural grass and they make recommendations and they make recommendations for things that players shouldn't wear. And it's up to the player whether to, to choose what they want to wear. So that's something else. That, you know, that falls back onto the Niners. That's something they have to look at this week. So this is a real story. It's It may be annoying to hear about because you, you can look at it and say, well, the Niners are the only ones complaining about this. Well, I would be complaining about it too if I just lost six really good players to lower extremity injuries in, uh, to varying degrees and my best defensive player is uh, lost for the season to that. So um, it's, it's certainly worth talking about. It's certainly something that is understandable. And to me, guys, the biggest factor in all this is kind of the mental side of it because you have Eric Armstead talking about anxiety. You have Trent Williams acknowledging that he's going to be thinking about it. You hear other players talk about how they have to try not to think about it because that's when you get hurt is when you're focused on things that you can't control. Uh, Those are things that I, I think are very interesting that you really have to keep an eye on. And Kyle Shanahan, the way he has phrased it this week has been very interesting. He, he doesn't say, Oh, we want to get it fixed or, oh, we need to play on a different surface or play at a different stadium. He says, I'm trying to find a way to put my player's mind at ease. And I think that is really, really um, interesting to hear a coach say about his team, because that means this is something that is playing on their mind. And that can be harder to overcome than that. The actual turf itself in some cases.
2: If you want to read Nick's article on that, go to (laughs) ESPN.com. Thanks, Kyle. (laughs) Got your back. I'm fascinated by this entire uh, turf conversation because there are players and when it comes to being a professional athlete, I, a not professional athlete, always defer to the professional athletes. And the, the amount of people, the amount of players for the 49ers come out and saying the turf was terrible, you know, you gotta replace it. This is this is, I believe Eric Armstead called it whack. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan saying that they were talking about it before the game, and it was kind of a conversation throughout the game, and then you see all these injuries, not just on the Niners side. The Jets had a bunch of guys go down too.
0: And
2: right. then you hear from um you hear from other players, both with the Niners and outside, saying that's not a problem. I didn't have a problem with it and maybe it's just kind of an individual case by case basis but it seems to be that there's a consensus and as Nick just kind of laid it out there's like a consensus that it is an empirical fact that this stuff is more dangerous but it's also something that players just kind of have to deal with because it exists
3: yeah it's a weird situation but i'm expecting the Very 49ers weird. to be really conservative all right we're going to we're going to end on this um, and this is not a football question, Nick. What is the thing you're looking forward to doing most
1: once the quarantine is over? oh my um i, I don't how oh, i don't even i I, there, <laughs> I don't i don't know i don't I don't know I mean like
2: you're so flustered with the idea of doing stuff well yeah like even
1: <laughs> even like just the thought of being able to do just about anything is is crazy to me i mean i obviously like being able to spend time with people uh without having to worry about you know masking up and, and, you know, keeping all the you know, I mean, I don't know how long we're going to probably have to do that longer than quarantine, but um, yeah. that's the big thing is just, you know, that human interaction that, that I think we all, we all crave, but I mean, from a, pro, from a fe- professional standpoint, being able to do my job in terms of like going into a locker room and talking to, to the professional athletes again, uh, that's, <laughs> that's something that I look forward to uh, you know, being able to travel again, certainly uh, something yeah. that I, that I look forward to certainly, missing that. I, I was definitely feeling sorry for myself last week, uh, quote unquote, covering the game from, from my home. And so, uh, things, things like that. And, you know, just little things like going to the movies, uh, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, I don't intend right. to do that anytime soon, but, uh, yeah, uh, do doing that and, you know, just doing King stuff basically. <laughs> you know? Well, I have a, I have a very specific answer. I want to
3: go out to dinner and have a, a, uh, a, exquisite bartender, make me an old fashioned. And then I want to go Uh, to like a Lupe fiasco concert afterwards. That might've been canceled in April that we didn't get to go to.
1: And got moved (laughs) to June and then to December and 2027. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not bitter at all. Kyle, how about you?
2: I want to go sit inside of a bar and just sit there all day. Maybe go to a different (laughs) bar. I never realized how much I enjoyed the actual going out experience of eating out at a restaurant yeah like being in the restaurant the actual ambiance and the same thing goes for bars as well and yeah just the idea of being able to like just travel where i want to go um and not i I mean i just i was always the guy that was like nah you know what hey i'm not gonna come out tonight like catch me next weekend i'm just gonna hang out i'm never turning down an invite to anything ever again yeah that's a good point you guys want to go where i'm in (laughs)
1: I (laughs) I want to see how long this is going to last because I feel the same way. Like I say the same thing. I'm going to be like, what's that Jim Carrey movie? Like yes, man or whatever. Where you say, you say yes to everything. (laughs) Underrated film. It it is an underrated film. Actually, it is pretty funny. Uh, But yeah, that's going to be one of those things where I wonder how long it's going to last before it's like, okay, I'm going to go back to uh, picking and choosing my spots here. But I think it'll probably be a while.
3: My my prediction is it's gonna be after that first weekend where you go out multiple nights. <laughs> you like oh go my out God, Friday dude. night, get after it a little bit, and then you feel terrible Saturday, but you're like, Oh, I gotta do this. And then Sunday you're like hung over from two nights of drinking, and since we're all extremely old now, it'll just it'll just feel terrible. You'll feel terrible for like a week and then be and then we'll be back to normal, back on like the
1: one night a week typically of of the actual getting after it. What's it going out and like doing the Irish goodbye, you know, just just, <laughs> yeah, just exactly. leaving without saying it? Like, yeah, those those are the halcyon days, the salad days that I'm missing <laughs> the most. You know?
2: I, I'm I'm concerned. Uh, uh, by the way, subscribe rate review if you don't want to listen to us BS about this. Um, <laughs> if you do, stick around. Uh, I'm really concerned that I am going to carry some not concerned because I don't think it's a bad thing, but carry some uh, shelter in place COVID protocol habits with me just for the rest of my life. Example. Like, I think I've gotten so used to like distancing myself from people like in stores. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to be hand sanitizer and hand washing. Like I just, I would ride Bart and I'd wash my hands first thing when I got to work, but, realistically i should be washing my hands first thing on bart like just get (laughs) off find a sink
3: it's gonna be hard to uh to get dressed to go out you know Mm. to like put your fit on that's like not as comfortable as the sweatpants that we've been wearing for the last eight months or however long it's been
2: what's the what's the this is a good question for both of you because you you guys were both at the 49ers cardinals home opener in your socially distanced uh covid protocol press box what was the attire the attire situation was it like a normal game day where you know you got people in like business cash? or was it sweats and a t-shirt because you're not going to see anybody
3: it was normal i think it, it it was definitely business casual um i dressed like i normally would cuz i got to do videos um mm, post game um nick was in a suit i believe that he got some 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 compliments on if if i remember um because nick Nick goes on
2: wagoner of course
3: (laughs) nick nick goes on a little show called sports center from now now and again um but no the weird thing about the game was just how quiet it was in the press box um because normally you have like three or four times as many people in there a lot of people are making noise you know there's some team personnel in there so when big plays happen there's some noise made and like the first game, it felt like nobody wanted to talk because everybody was so quiet and nobody wanted to be the person to like disturb the silence. Um, so it was very, very odd. And like the sound from the from the field would get piped into the press box periodically. Um, and everybody, you know, the seating was all different. Like, you know, the last couple of years, Nick and I have, have sat together almost exclusively And like we're on the complete opposite sides of the press box, which is a little bit. I like how
1: you made that sound like you like asked me, like we're like we were going to a sock hop or something. Like we (laughs) we exclusively sat together.
2: Like, hey, do you know why? Do you know why they didn't seat you guys near each other? Because they were going. It's going to be quiet as hell in this press box, and if we put those two guys next to each other, (laughs) they they, got to spread the
1: royalty out. Is what happens, Kyle. But (laughs)
2: like, we need. This, this press box isn't big enough for two Kangs. Way way too many
1: Kongs in a very, (laughs) very small space. No, it was, it was really weird. And I actually wondered if at one point, if some of the quiet was because people were just trying to hear what was going on in the field, because you could, like Chris said, like you could at various times just hear it. And I know I was like fascinated because you could hear like, trash talk i remember at one point i think it was when the cardinals took the lead for the first time i don't remember who it was one of their players you could hear him over the like the the refs mic or whatever say this is our division now and it was like <laughs> you, it, you guys just went up by three points like there's a lot of time left like it's this is the first yeah, we one and, yeah, like, and you finished in last like, place and you finished in last
2: place like the cardinals division exactly
1: i was like i was like oh we got a headline uh, but yeah, like just stuff like that where, you know, like you don't actually get to hear that kind of stuff under normal circumstances. So I think that actually did play a part in it. Uh, I, cause I would, I would listen to that all day. Like that was one of my favorite parts of being there. Um, otherwise I'm not really sure there was a ton of benefit to being there, which is, which is a weird feeling as well. But yeah. of course that didn't prevent me from, you know, wallowing in self pity on Sunday when I wasn't in New York covering that game, uh, for a while. So uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that you have to get a, adapted to to everything different. But yeah, I didn't notice anything, you know, in terms of attire. I think most people were kind of in their usual, uh, you know, game I, day garb.
2: I also want to shout out. I didn't see it anyway. So I'm going to shout out the Niners beat. I didn't see I was expecting it and I didn't see it. I didn't see a single like story. About, like, here was my experience covering a game from home for the first time since 2009 or whatever. You know, I was fully (laughs) expecting that to happen, and I was going to be really annoyed by it. Um, You want us to tell our
1: stories now, Kyle? Our stories of (laughs) woe Or no?
2: Yeah, I bet it's so difficult like covering games from home yeah no. i can't
1: fathom. <laughs> <laughs> I, i i like i said i wallowed in self-pity but i have too much self-awareness to act like guy. i'm anything but privileged yeah. to do what i do for a living yeah i'm gonna
3: take I'm, i'm not gonna take for granted any road trip ever again to watch football even if i'm like delayed in houston for six hours i'm gonna appreciate the fact that i'll be able to like go to a game and go in the locker room afterwards and stuff like that
1: (laughs) circle back to us if we don't get to go to the new orleans game because i'm sure chris and i will be the biggest babies you've ever seen Uh, yeah if we we miss if we miss that trip kyle so that there there's there's one you can you can uh you know maybe set your watch to us being being whiny babies about
2: (laughs) uh maybe we can just maybe we can just um have canceled trip chronicles and we can do bonus episodes of you guys bitching about not being able to go to games That'd i'm sure people i'm sure the fans like oh <laughs> that. that
1: was really fine work on your part there though kyle Thank on, on, on the fly you. yeah yeah
2: thanks okay all right well, i think we before should get out of this devolves here. into that the, that because the, the next evolution of that conversation was the canceled trip chronicles like that was where that was going so we're going to cut it now <laughs> uh <laughs> nick thanks so much for hopping on with us uh, again uh check out all nick's work at espn.com sometimes you see him on SportsCenter. center uh chris thanks <laughs> uh, wow, this a lot of king stuff this in this episode lot, i appreciate so it so much uh way to go off guys um <laughs> really gelled with the chemistry here so nice job uh by nick um subscribe rate review download do all that stuff if you haven't uh, we really appreciate it if you didn't listen to uh, TE1 with Greg Olson and his podcast with George Kittle, which you can find on our feed. Just go back one and you'll be able to uh, to listen to that. Make sure to catch that full conversation if you haven't. And we will see you guys next time uh, when we break down the 49ers Giants game. Quick, hey, real quick before we get out of here, predictions. Oh, uh,
3: 49ers 24, Giants 17.
1: I had I had 20 to 17 49ers and uh, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if, if if they went a little bit more comfortably than that. I, I have much like last week uh, with the Jets. I have trouble seeing the Giants scoring a lot of points even even with the Niners banged up on defense. Yeah, I
2: got 23 13 Niners. All right, see you.